episode of Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human. I am Dan. I'm Brady. Hope everybody had a great 4th of July weekend last week. How was your 4th of July weekend? My 4th of July weekend was really good. I actually ended up playing golf a couple of times last weekend. Uh, Shot the best score I've ever shot and uh, sunk a 35-foot putt for birdie and burned the crap out of my finger and, well, my hand. Um... So yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun filled 4th of July weekend. Um, didn't do much as far as, uh, like fireworks or anything like that. Just wasn't into it this year. Um, it was hot. It was, you know, dry. It was illegal. You know, there's, there's these, these things that were holding me back. Didn't you, um, burn your hand? No, more than like five minutes after I was like, happy uh, 4th of July, everybody don't blow your hands off this year. I believe. Yeah, no, it was within, it was at least within 30 minutes. Yeah. You're like, no, I'm good. No, no fireworks here. I'm good. And then I get a text message, dude, I've never burnt my hands so bad in my life. No, I said it's been a long time. No, no, okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. Having been a chef. Yeah. No, I burnt my hand just as bad, if not worse, but it's been a really long time since I burned my hand like that. I think it's gotten to the point now just from like cooking all the time. I may have burned the tips of my fingers off because I'm just grabbing shit that's like piping hot. And I'm like, hmm, not that hot anymore. (laughs) Other than that, how was your week? It was good, busy, uh, exhausting, really. Um, Just work. Work, work, kicking my my, my ass. And um, it's been... You know, it's just been busy, busy, and then I'll come home and I'll do, you know, a couple, three hours of work a night um, here at home. And it's uh, it, it's getting to be a lot, but it's getting easier. We're we're going to hire somebody else, uh, another team to, to help out after, basically after our shift. And um, we're, yeah, we've got a few things lined up that, and I'm actually going to get paid for all the time that I've spent on these monitors at home. I was oh, really? That, yeah, I was told that the uh, yesterday, actually, by my boss. He said, he said for me to get him a spreadsheet of the hours I've spent at home for this, for these monitor installs because he's going to bill our client. Yo, that's awesome. Yeah, everybody getting paid. Everybody getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just about to ask how your week was, and I, I hope you finish up with the big news. Uh, week was good. Uh, well, sadly, the big news is not like official official. It's just kind of like official between me and the boss, but we're getting that to that point essentially. Um, but I mean, the week was good. A short week is always a great week. Right. Um, but the, the week was good. We, we finally hired somebody at work and I'm super excited because not only, not only did we hire this guy, but my boss was so swamped that he was essentially like, I need you to take the lead on this next interview. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I've done these a million times. It's not a big deal. So after we were done with the interview, um, this guy, you know, he texted my work phone. He's like, Hey, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I'm feeling other offers, but I'm really interested in this job. And I'm like, well, we're going to do the best we can to get you in here. You know, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, short, long story short, I'm, this guy actually, he, he did it the right way. He uh, saw the offer letter and stated that he wanted more money. So I told him without telling him, you need to email these people to request more money. And uh, lo and behold, he actually got approved for that. And his his uh, hourly wage is actually 
um, basically uh, 85 cents less than what I make. And I've been there for five years. So in turn, it turned around to, oh, shit, like we got to give Dan his raise now. I'm like, yes, yes, you do have to give me my raise right now. So, yeah, so the boss was basically like, I, I talked to you. He was like, I talked to them and uh, I gave them your demands and uh, they said yes. But we need to wait until he basically starts so the dust settles and then we'll go back and do the uh, do the paperwork on it. And I said, that's fine by me. And I said, I'm okay with waiting a couple of weeks because I know what the end game is and I know that I don't have to wait that long. So everybody getting paid. Good. And I, I hope it's uh, I hope they're paying you what you're worth. I know you've been there for five years, man. And and that's a tough it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, being being with a company for an extended period of time. And you know, no, I know that you and your boss are close. You get you and your boss are friends, and you know I know you feel the appreciation uh, from him. But eventually, I mean, the financial appreciation is—I mean, it's needed. It is. It's—it's it's one of those things that, Dan. I, I as long as I've known you, you've—you've you've never really been about the money. You've no. never been a show me the money kind of guy. But there are still costs, and there are still things oh, that. Yeah you know, need, need to be taken care of financially. And, and, you know, for that company, you were one of them. I mean, how long have you been shorthanded? We've been shorthanded. I mean, I, I could really be an ass right now, but I'm not going to, um, we've been shorthanded since the last guy got hired, but anyway, um, we <laughs> no, but we, we were, we've been shorthanded since basically end of February when the guy that, uh, left us put his two weeks in, so I guess if you want to say technical, he, he since March, March, yeah. So yeah. working 50 some hours a week, waking up at three o'clock in the morning, which I don't think the hours will change. The time frame might change a little bit, but I, you know, to be honest with you, I'm so used to it now, even though I, you know, I, I hate myself every day when I wake up at three o'clock in the morning, just because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, dude, it's just, you know, it's rough, but then you, you know, you get over it, you get, you know, you move on, but um, I don't think I'm going to really adjust from that too much because now I'm used to it now. Like that's waking up, waking up at that time, going to work at five and leaving at like three, three thirty. That's basically I'm used to it. So I might just end up staying there, just sticking with it, especially if he's going to start my boss and start traveling for work again. I don't have any problem with that because we're both me and this new guy because we're there's actually technically supposed to be three operators. So we're still at technically we're still shorthanded one guy. So it's going to be us two for a while. And me and this dude, we got along real well. So I think that's why this is, I think this is going to work out and man, we're going to make some money. We're going to, we're going to bank it. Well, and you know, my, my boss, when he looked at me yesterday, when we were talking, uh, he was talking to me about, you know, needing to bring out a second, another team for an afternoon shift, just for, for monitors. Um, and then he, he was also talking about he needed to take somebody from one of our teams right now uh, for more of an admin position. And I knew exactly who to pull because the, that's kind of their, their bag. But um, and he asked me, he's all, who do you think? And I told him and he's all, yeah, sounds good to me. And and I, I kind of had this look on my face because I've been trying not trying to get off the truck because I do like driving the truck, even even though it is downtown Seattle. Um, but. I do like driving the truck. I do like being on the truck, but I have a lot of other stuff that I'm also in charge of there mm -hmm. without having the title, having the money, having that kind of stuff. And that kind of sounds familiar. I, it kind of sounds like what we went through at work. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of had this look on my face, I think, and I didn't realize it, but he looked over at me and he's, like, Oh no, I got plans. I, I got plans for you. And you know, 
my boss isn't one of those people that says that kind of thing. Um, the the operations manager where I where I work, you know, he he doesn't really get into that kind of thing. He doesn't really say that kind of thing to you. He's got it. You know, he's got it in his head, and he knows what he wants, and he knows what's going to happen. But he doesn't really. He keeps that pretty close to the vest because he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't know exactly when it could. T- it could be two weeks from now. It could be two months from now. It could be, you know, six months from now. Who knows? But he does know how it's going to pan out and how it, what's going to happen. So that kind of made me feel pretty good, especially considering you know I know this admin the, this admin position that we're filling, and it's just for the. Mo- I mean, that's how big these, the, this monitor job has gotten is. You know, we we started out and, and we we were told Thursday that it was going to start Monday, and then that following third, then you know, three days after it starts, we get training on it, and then <laughs> and then you know, and but that Monday that we started to get the emails for the requests, you know, it started with I think we had like 120 emails that day. Holy shit! And then you know, the, the day of our training, we come to find out all these emails, which expanded to about 200 by the time we started getting uh, getting training. The, by the time we did get training, because it was a five minute training course, it's how to connect a monitor. I'm I'm pretty sure we can handle that. <laughs> but we didn't, we needed to know what their parameters were, so we needed training through that company. And um, now we, we find we come to find out it's it's all backlog. Like this isn't even request. Mm. So, um, now I think we're starting to get current requests because our our email requests have have grown to. I think the last I looked, there was four hundred and thirty, four hundred and forty, and that's those are those are just the emails that uh, my direct lead hasn't had a chance to filter through. Because not only do we have do we get these emails for these requests, we also have to filter through them to to pick which ones we actually actually fall within our contract that's a lot of emails that's a lot of a lot that's of a lot of, that's a lot of conversations my, that's oh, a yeah. lot of things and that's the whole thing like my my lead has to actually interact with these people like he has to respond to every request so which leaves me in a position that i i'm actually the one scheduling these putting these on our route and so I mean, it's just it's time consuming. So that's right. that's how my week has been. I've been right. spending time at home routing these these installs and trying to make sure that I'm not overloading anybody but me. Because I mean, like I had doesn't sound like much, but I had fifteen fifteen monitors to install yesterday, mm. and um, our goal is ten per per route per day. But you were hitting them. You were hitting about fifteen. I hit fifteen yesterday, and that was because things were added. This, that, the other, that, and it just needs to get done. And I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, you you sound like you're tired. You look like you're tired. But you know, like there, if anybody deserves the recognition and the bump in pay, it's definitely you do because you. De- I mean, you work hard. You bust your ass like every every single day for this for your family and, and I mean for your career. So hopefully, hopefully, boss man takes care of you because you absolutely deserve it. I appreciate it, man. And you've you've definitely deserved this for a long time. I'm glad that they're actually recognizing it. They're they kind of cut their own throat and put themselves in this position, but it it had to come and it had to come soon. It oh really yeah. Did. Oh oh yeah. So and you know I meant, I was gonna say something because you were ta- saying that your uh, boss doesn't really like he kind of like keeps stuff close to the vest. But I realized like during the process of like hiring this trying to fill this position, you know, my boss was so animate about 
So they wanted to start the, the hiring pay a lot lower than what you would think it would be. The lowering, the starting pay for the, for like my position starting out was like $15 an hour. And I told him, I'm like, dude, you can't, we can't do that. Cause you can make that at BJ stocking shelves working full time. I mean, you can make more than that stocking shelves at BJ's working full time. Like nobody's going to want to come here and go through this, like like putting your body through all this, being around the chemicals for $15 an hour. So we discussed it and I'm like, we need to get this up to like 17, 18, 19, something like that. And I told him, I was like, I was like what we got to do is we get somebody in the door at one of these higher rates. Then we can adjust how the market goes for this, for the, for operations, because then What's going to happen is if we can set it, the rest of the company operations wise can follow and then they can start paying people what I think correctly paying people the right amount of money. Well, absolutely. And, and that's and, you know, if, if you can say one thing about the the I guess the employment situation coming out of the pandemic mm-hmm. is. That's definitely going to be a positive. I mean, there mm-hmm. there are some people. There are a percentage for those for those people out there that are saying, you know, people are getting paid to stay home, and they are to a certain extent. There is there are those people that are taking advantage of it and stuff like that. But the vast majority of people that I know that lost their job or got laid off or something like that through this pandemic, they want to get back to work. But oh, yeah, they, absolutely. But but you also have to understand people got behind people people struggled through this whole even if they didn't get behind like me I didn't get too far behind but at the same time we struggled so I mean our savings are gone everything's gone so there has mm-hmm. to be a certain amount like you have to look at these people and be like you know the, these guys struggled these guys lost a lot through this year and a half pandemic that that has happened they're they're not going to work for for the the nickel and dime like the like they used to. Right. And some of the people that got laid off for the pandemic or lost their jobs, they were making less money working there full time than they're getting on unemployment. So why would they want to go? Why would you want to go back to a shit job like that when you're making twice as much? I don't blame you. Like you're going to play the system. You play the system. But these people, some of these people, like they're playing the system. They're stacking the money and they're paying bills that they're behind on. Like I got no problem with that. You you are being financially smart right now. But eventually, you know, hopefully everybody's able to get back to work. People are able to, you know, find good jobs, find, you know, something that they love doing career wise, you know. But with that, you know, with the with the whole job thing and money thing, I think that's a good that's a good segue into telling everybody what the topic is for this week, which is yeah, absolutely. Um, which is actually uh, toxic masculinity the uh, expected responsibilities versus unrealistic expectations. And I know when we were talking about that, you kind of seemed confused. Is that, uh, is that a good way of putting it? Yeah, I was a little confused. Um, but there, but it's not necessarily, I was confused at the topic. I was confused where we were going to go. Cause I mean, toxic masculinity. I mean, it, there are so many facets to, too toxic masculinity i mean yeah we we shared a video with each other um uh, not a couple of months ago about with a guy uh guy talking about you know this Mm. that and this is now considered toxic and stuff like that and um and that's something i'm not going to go into too much detail because later on in, in the conversation i have every intention of bringing this video up um and talking a little bit about it but um but then there's, you know, you also had, you know, what, what we, 
it kind of ties into last week a little bit, you know, kind of what we as men are, are expe- what's expected of us and, and mm-hmm. you know how unrealistic it can be. Um, and then also you, you, it expands on what we talked about last week, you know, as far as, you know, the, the judgmental attitude some people have toward, you know, like you, you brought it up in, in one of the conversations we had earlier this week, you know, we're expected to know mechanics and, mm-hmm. you know, we're expected to know how to, how to work on cars. I know how to turn a wrench, but don't expect me to change shocks in my ride. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, if you want me to, if you want me to change like the pumping system, the, the pipes, the flange at work, you know, changing out the handles, the valves, I can do that. If you try to get me to work on your 1996 Nissan Z, I'm lost. Not yeah. going to happen. And then, and, and, you know, there are a lot of people out there that, that talk to you as you're less of a man because of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, not, and, and that's just not the case. I mean, especially nowadays, I mean, hell, you almost need a computer science degree just to work in a car, but that's beside the point. The point of the, the fact of the matter is, is there are so many assumptions made because I'm a man and I mean, you're not a small man yourself, Dan. I mean, it, it, the, and I swear that you call me fat, uh, not in those words. Um, (laughs) And and I almost feel like a lot of these assumptions and a lot of these expectations are um, compounded when the bigger you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and then if you think about it, you know, that's a good, okay. That's a good example because sometimes when you are big, people look at you and be like, Oh man, did you play football in high school? I mean, me, yes, I did. But somebody else would be like, no, nah, I never played. I, pl- I I did trombone in the marching band. You know, I was a uh, drummer or I was a cheerleader or I did golf. What was that? I was a drama geek. Yeah, see, I mean, it, like, and I think that's more of a stereotype than anything. Or, I mean, it, but I think stereotypes fall into the whole toxic lifestyle. And like. We say toxic masculinity, but it's just toxic in general. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, really the stereotypes are, you know, are the reason for toxic masculinity. I mean, okay. So I mean, I'll bring it up now. The, the video that you and I, you, that you and I kind of shared a little bit about, you know, our feelings about, cause I think I was the one that sent it to you or you sent it. To oh me yeah. That was, that was right before we started. And that was basically yeah. what kind of launched us right into everything. Exactly. And I, and I had mentioned that, you know, this is something that, you know, this, this would be something that I would love to talk about in one of these episodes. And, you know, it was even something as simple as holding a door for a woman. Now that's Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity. And I'm sitting here like that, that doesn't make any sense because I was, that's how I was raised. And this is the the guy in the video was, uh, was saying the same thing, you know, opening a door, helping, helping somebody across the street. um, you, You know, that kind of stuff is, is considered toxic masculinity. And I'm sitting here like, you know, that's, that, that's, you know, people say chivalry was dead before chivalry is dead and gone now. Yeah, absolutely. You can't be chivalrous in today's day and age because that's considered, you know, uh, toxic masculinity. That's, that's considered, I'm doing it because I don't have faith in the female condition that you can do it yourself. No, that's not the case. I respect you enough to do it myself. I respect you enough to do it for you. Not because I don't think you can do it, but because it's, that's my job. It's just like you and I've talked about in the past, you know, I take the trash out of my house. It's not Mm -hmm. that my fiance can't, that's my job. No, we just do it because there's, they don't need, it's not that they can't do it. It's just, why should they do it if I can do it? Exactly. 
You know, yeah. I'm trying to set it. It's it's also it's it's setting a good example. If you have kids around like you do, it's setting a good example because as they grow up, you know, it's you know your son as he grows up will see that like oh like dad does this maybe you know that's a good thing to learn when I get older or you know vice versa whatever you know. Oh yeah, and then there's you know the, there's the judgment aspect of it, and mm. and that's that uh, and uh, it was funny that you and I you were talking about this this week, but. Um, it was funny that this popped up on, on the dad's group that I've mentioned before. And I, I mean, so somebody, somebody said, uh, basically something to the effect of, you know, um, I don't, I don't basically, I don't get, you know, people that work just, you know, five, eights, 40 hours a week when, you know, I just, I feel like that's pointless because I work 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week, whatever this, that, and the other. And that's basically what he said. And I, and I had to pipe in. I'm like, you know what? As a former chef, as somebody who worked 10 to 17 hours a day for pretty much 13 years, six, five, seven, you know, eight days a week, um, I can tell you, I'll take five eights. I'll mm-hmm. take five a week, especially with a family, because mm-hmm. I, I promised, I promised my fiance. When she told me that she was pregnant, I told her flat out in the face and I promised her and it wasn't just her. I was promising. I was promising myself. I'm not going to be a paycheck dad. And I'm not saying that in a negative aspect to any of you paycheck dads out there, because you know what? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But, but for me personally, I was not going to be a paycheck dad. I will work my 40 hours a week. I will bust my butt. It will be a struggle. And for those of you that are working more, you know, more power to you because, and, and I hope you aren't struggling the way that, the way that me and my fiance do, but I, I'm going to, my time is more valuable to my family than it is to my job. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's something to be said. There's a difference between a personal goal and being toxic. Your personal goal can be, I want to, I want to work, make enough money where my wife doesn't have to work. That's, that's a personal goal. That's a luxury that, to, that you can afford to, to have, right? Not everybody can, but to say that, um, like you said, I don't want to be a paycheck dad. That's not, that's not being toxic. We're not being negative. That's just a personal goal that you've set for yourself. Yes. That, I mean, there's a big difference between that. And, you know, I went on the, with the Facebook page and when I did the description, you know, I listed off some things and you, you touched on one of them already was, you know, knowing cars or how to change your oil, how to change your tire, um, working, you know, just because maybe you work two or three jobs doesn't make you less of a person. If you are collecting a check and you are providing for your family and you're contributing to your family or your relationship, you're, you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. Like you're just doing the best what you have in your situation. Um, some of the other ones, it's just like, Dan, I mean, you, you've mentioned it before. You don't make as much money as your wife. Ooh, no, no, but let's move on. But, but on that, um, my wife is also really, really, really freaking smart and went to school, but she grinded for those degrees to be able to make that money. I was not a school guy. I did trade school. I learned how to weld. Like I took time into cooking, which, doesn't really do anything for me now, but maybe one day it will. But that was my personal choice. I was not a school guy. I sucked at it. But that doesn't make you. But but the whole thing is that that also what what you're saying is that doesn't make you less of a man just because you're Correct. not you're not the traditional breadwinner in your home. That's that that doesn't honestly, Dan. That doesn't mean shit. 
Right, and that was that is right there is one of the biggest issues when it comes to like toxic masculinity because if you talk to, I'm I'm going to be a little condescending here, but let's just be honest. If you talk to anybody who may be 48 or older, they basically assume that you should be the one that handles everything. But that's just not how life and society is anymore, right? So if my wife who grinds day in and day out, she went to school, wants to go back to school. Um, graduated, worked her way up through multiple jobs, through what she thought originally was going to be her dream job, uh, which ended up not being her dream job, and then actually landed her quote-unquote now new dream job, which is great, and she loves that place. She's making the money because she worked her ass off to get there. There's nothing wrong with that. Can you share what, what your wife's degree is, or, or is that something that you would rather Yeah, know? no, no, no. She, she, um, she went to school, and she got a degree in fire science, basically. And she started off working um, – her dream job was, was supposed to be at Red Cross. It didn't work out well. Um, but then she actually got hired by – I don't know if you – she got hired by a, a big-time, basically, government, government contracting firm, and she absolutely loves her job. Awesome. Yeah, she loves her job. So, but um, like I said, she she busted her ass to make that money. I have no problem with that. So when somebody's like, when you see somebody on social media, which is another huge thing when it comes to toxic masculinity, um, when you see on toxic, what's what's that? That's a huge thing just with toxicity. Oh yeah, just be toxic in general. So when you see somebody say something and they say. Well, I, I do this and this to make sure my wife doesn't work. And that's the reason why this society is soft because they can't do that. No, that's a personal choice for you. I got no issue with my wife making, uh, you know, triple digits, double, di- whatever it is. You know, I don't have a problem with six figure, whatever. I don't care. Like she's earned that money. Now I'm going to do everything that I can to contribute to, um, provide for our family. And we've, you know, we battled, we struggled for a long time, especially when we were going through our, our wedding plans. I mean, we, we struggled hardcore and yeah, you know all about that. (laughs) And, but we, we've, we set a plan together and we set up a financial plan together and it's worked. Like it's paid off. We've been able to progress our life to, you know, get a house. We've been able to say we can live somewhat comfortably. We're not going crazy. Like I'm not going out and buying a Lambo tomorrow, which I wouldn't do anyway. I have no business driving one of those things. But <laughs> yeah, right. I'd probably wreck the hell out of it. GTA, motherfucker. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and you know, one of the, I think one of the bigger things is, and actually Chris brought this up. Um, when we, when I was talking to him before he came on is that one of his big concerns is that, you know, he's a little guy and he doesn't have like the manly man aspect of everything. And I told him, I was like, but that's okay because there's things that, you know, that the quote unquote manly man doesn't have any fucking clue about. And so that doesn't make you less of a person. Right. Right. So, and I told him, I said, but that's okay. And he's like, you know, he said something, I don't actually, I don't know if it was Chris. It might've been somebody else said something about, um, going to the gym and they, they hate working out because they can't lift weights like other people do. And they feel that there's eyes on them all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's toxic. Like, listen, the gym is a toxic ass place. Oh yeah. Like it'll make you feel like shit because somebody out there, some some lax bro is over there just making all kinds of noise and just trying to show off left and right. And you're just like, that's not that's not an environment you want to be in. Right. So it makes you feel like shit. So then what do you do? You quit going. 
you quit working on yourself. You, you just quit stuff. And I think when we, when you talk about the toxic masculinity, it's our own fault. And it's not, I'm not saying like it's, it's our fault because we accept it. It's our fault because as human race and as a male race, we started this shit. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know, the, these assumptions and stereotypes that, that we're talking about today are, you know, are, are definitely our own doing, but they're not all, but the problem that I have with the, with the whole toxic masculinity thing is it's so negative. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with my fiance stays home. And a lot of that has to do with cost. I mean, daycare, I'm in the wrong business. Let me tell you, because Mm -hmm. daycare for a toddler in diapers is insane. Daycare in general is insane, but the cost in and of itself, she the best she could do if she wanted to go back to work right now is part-time. She'd basically be signing her checks over to a daycare anyway. Mm-hmm. So she'd be working for free. And mm-hmm. then so and we discussed it, and now she stays at home and, and she takes care of the kids. And and honestly, I don't know if she wants to go back to work. And quite frankly, um, financially, I'm I, I'm we're right at that cusp of her not not having to. Yeah, and th- but th- like I said, that's a personal choice that you two made and discussed, and it works. Like if it works, then who cares? You know, if if she gets sh- if she got shitted on by her friends because she gets to stay at home and she doesn't go to work, why other people are going to work? That's not listen, listen. It ain't y'all's fault. You figured that shit out, so it works. And maybe it's their fault because they didn't figure out how to make that shit work. Exactly. And, and I think what a lot of people have the, the, the judgmental people when it comes to this, um, and, and I think the, the title is a little misleading because I, I guess today really so far, we've, we've really mainly talked about just toxic, toxic environments, toxic attitudes. Um, but, but the whole thing is, is what a lot of people forget about the, is the vast majority of people that are in the situation like me and my fiance, where she stays home, I go to work. And we make that work. This is a discussion and, and a decision that's been made by more than just one person. It's not, a, not, it's not like I looked at her when she was pregnant and said, well, I hope you plan on staying home, woman, because that's what you <laughs> that, what That was not <laughs> And please, mom, when you listen to this, no, I was joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. But no. Um, and, and that's, and that's another thing growing up, we owned a business. I've, I've discussed it before, you know, we owned a bowling alley in my family for three generations. We literally lived in the bowling alley. Um, now granted it, we didn't like sleep on the lanes or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, we had an apartment above the bowling alley at one point and at one point a house that was attached to it. Um, but my mom also worked full time. My mom worked for, for the city in my hometown for, 20 some odd years um before she she retired a couple of years ago quote unquote retired and then she officially retired i think last year but um but the fact is she worked her butt off every Mm -hmm. day and then she came home to help run the bullet (laughs) and you know she she was the breadwinner of of the families, and there was nothing wrong with that. My stepdad didn't feel like less. My step my stepdad was very much a manly man, and that kind of goes hand in hand. He was a manly man in his own right. My dad, my dad is camping, fishing, hunting, 
Um, he was an aircraft mechanic. I mean, the, the, uh, the man knows, knows his shit when it comes to your, you know, your stereotypical manly man. Now my stepdad, he, he was very, you know, he worked on the bowling machines very well, but he knew he was never a hunter fisher. You know, he did, we didn't go camping that kind of stuff. Uh, he was a hell of a musician, probably one of the best guitar players I think I've ever heard. Um, and you know, he was always there when, if you, if you needed somebody to talk to, not saying that my dad wasn't, but these, these were, these were the, the stark contrasts between my stepdad and my dad. And, um, they both were very much manly men that, that, that whole cookie cutter that people have on, you know, this is, this is what the manly man is that there is no universal mold for the, for that attitude. Right. So let me ask you this then, because I brought up earlier, um, expected responsibility versus unrealistic expectation. You being a husband and a father, I want you to give me a expected responsibility and then an unrealistic expectation in like three words or less, a compare and contrast type thing. Okay, so you want an expected responsibility. Yeah, you get married, you go down on one knee, you ask your your you know your lovely woman to marry you. When you step into being a husband, what do you think is an expected responsibility versus an unrealistic expectation? It's hard to think about, right? It it is it's really hard to fill in that blank because I I mean you also have to understand something. I was raised old school. Right. I was. I mean, these expected responsibilities, they're not unrealistic to me. Well, okay. So then let's let's do let's just do the obvious easy one. The expected responsibility when your husband is to provide and contribute to the relationship that you are in with your wife. And yeah. the unexpected reality is that you do not have to be the breadwinner. True. All right. Or okay. unexpected expectation, yeah. sorry. I, I get what you're saying. Also on the, uh, in, in that same, on that same note though, um, as you said, I think you put it perfectly. Um, it's to contribute uh, to the relationship. That's not just financially. That's not just, not just physically, but that's emotionally. Yep. And, emotionally, physically, whatever it is. But it, exactly. And you know, it's not just the physical, the, it's also the emotional and the unrealistic, um view with a lot of society even still we don't we don't share our emotions right and that i was going to get to the to that next because i'm glad you said that i think the uh, and i'm going to flip it instead of saying the uh expected responsibility i'm going to flip this and start with the unrealistic expectations the unrealistic expectation is that you as a man cannot ask for help Yes. In any way whatsoever. But the expected responsibility for you is to burden everything that comes into your life, to put it on your shoulders and put it on your back. That is what I would say, and I air quote this, society expects you to do as a man or as a husband or as a father. And even even with with women, too, if you're a single mom or, or, you know, there's certain things that you get attached to stigma wise. Mm-hmm. Right. But but the fact is that if you don't 
if you can't ask for help, you are never going to be expected to fulfill the responsibilities that are unrealistically placed on you. Well, you'll never reach your full potential either. I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. And I don't care how much money you have or how successful you are in life. Somebody at some point in time helped you, period. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, and you know, maybe they helped you financially. Maybe nobody helped you financially and you came up from the gutter yourself. That's awesome. But somebody out there helped you emotionally. Maybe you were having a mental breakdown, you know, five years after starting this business that has become just this massive, massive venture. You know, five years into it, you were about to have a mental breakdown, but somebody was there. Mm -hmm. So let me let me pose you with this then. A person who goes out of their way to prove that they can do it themselves is better off than the person who can swallow their pride and ask for for help. Well, I don't think so. I mean, the exactly. Well, there's and there's more to that though, because the person that you know, I, I mean, that's not to take anything away from the person. No, 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 no. And and, and pushed through and did it themselves, but the but you you only look at things from one direction when you do that. Mm -hmm. You also I think get, it's... That, get that added experience when you do reach out and you do swallow your pride and ask for help, and pride uh, pride as they say is the crutch of the weak. Mm -hmm. You know. It's you swallow your pride, you ask for help. And, you know, somebody's like, well, you know, I noticed that, you know, you're going through some shit and here's, you know, here's my shoulder. Here's my, here's my hand. Let me help you. But you also get that person's point of view. You also get that whole different angle that maybe you weren't even thinking about. Now, when you go it alone, not going to take it not going to say you're doing it the wrong way but you're only doing it one way right and it you know it it to to battle some things on your own takes a, a different type of courage it brings something different out in you to be able to go through that because if you don't if you can't tap into something that you're not used to being you're not going to be able to survive that situation alone so sometimes I, sometimes I like to say if you if you're doing this alone and there's a lot of people out there who are doing it alone who may not have anybody to ask for help or to lean on or to reach out to. Right. And you're doing this alone. Those people are tapping into a different kind of animal inside of them to battle the demons, to push them through what they're going through. That takes a lot of fucking strength. It takes a lot of courage. It also takes a lot of pride for you to, or it takes a lot of strength for you to swallow your pride at the end of that when you turn around and you have been able to ask for help. Because it takes a beating for you to go through that. And it takes a lot for somebody to go through those things to sit down and ask for help. And I think people get so used to battling it alone that they just don't know how to ask for help because maybe they've asked for help before and have been let down. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that is, that can definitely be a problem for people. You know, people, people are assholes. Oh yeah. People are, are, are not always dependable animals because we are, we're animals. Now, that being the case, the moment I feel like the moment you lose faith in, in humanity is is a sad, sad moment. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I believe there's still good out there, but I'm I mean you start to become more and more cynical, more and more dark and stuff like that, and that's you know and and that I feel like that's what happens when you try to face things alone over and over and over and over again. You can't no nobody can succeed in this life by themselves. You can't. Right. And right. I mean, you, you could sit you can sit here and you know you could listen to this podcast and you can sit here and be like I can't I I've been doing this alone for years. I mean I'm sorry but eventually you're going to break. And, and I, you know what that is? You know I, what that is though. Have somebody around you that actually that that's there to help put the pieces back together. Right. And that was, that was me. That was me for, for a very long time. That was me before my brother passed away. That was me after my brother passed away. Like me growing up, that was me going through high school, right? That was me, really me after my brother passed away. But those are also the type of people speaking from experience. Those are the type of people who that are masking things. You are pulling the, you're putting the mask over your face to hide what's going on. And what you end up doing is you become a toxic motherfucker towards everybody else for absolutely no reason whatsoever. You start taking your shit out on other people just because they're different. You know, you start, you start challenging somebody, you know, mentally because, you can't handle your shit. And it's not that you can't handle your shit. It's that you just won't sit down and tell yourself that you need to, you need to ask for help. Like you need to go get help, but people don't want to admit that because it seems like it's weak. Yeah. And I mean, and I've battled demons in the past. I mean, I've, I've mentioned a couple of, I've mentioned a couple of times that, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I've, I've tried to kill myself before and I, uh, I was an addict. And I was homeless and, you know, all these, all these things that I went through, um, to be honest with you, looking back, all it would have taken was probably a phone call, right? All it would have taken was, was me calling somebody up or, or, you know, calling, calling that one person up and saying, Hey, I need help or, Hey, this is my situation, but you don't think about that. And I, and just like you said, um, you, you put on a mask and, and sorry, I mean, I chuckled a little bit when you said that, because, you know, that's, I used to, I used to tell people that you guys think, I used to tell people that I hung out with on a daily basis. I'm like, you guys think, you know, me, this is a mask. Mm-hmm. This is something that, that I put on every day for you. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, and this is something that, you know, the, you think this is my real attitude. No, this isn't my real attitude. This isn't my real outlook on life because I don't have one right now because I'm a miserable son of a bitch that just wants everybody else around me to be a miserable son of a bitch. And I'm not proud of that fact. I'm not proud that I went through that. And I'm not proud that, you know, that I treated people and I did that I, I used and I treated people like shit when I was younger, when, when, you know, I, I, as I've said before, you know, I tried to blame everybody for all my problems. And I, I, but the hardest part about it was looking within and, you know, that's, that's changed now. But back then, I, I mean, I can look at you and, and just flat out tell you, I wore a mask every day and I was good at it. I didn't, uh, I could tell people flat out to their face that you think you know me. You have no idea who the hell I am because I've just been wearing this right. every day for the last five years. And you right. think you, you and I are best, best of friends. You have no idea who I am. I'm not proud of that fact. What I am proud of is at some point in my life, I asked for help 
and I pushed through and I got to the point where I'm, I am now. And I have numerous people asking have, that have asked me over the, over the years, well, wouldn't, would you change being an addict? Would you change being ho- homeless? Would you change this or that about your past? And I flat out tell them, no, uh, no, because I like who I am now. I love the person I've become and I am a respect, respectable individual. Now I, I have the respect of the, of the select few friends that I have. And they know who I am. Now, that being said, that took a lot of pride. And this toxic masculinity thing, I I do have to say, and I'll get off my soapbox here just after this statement. You know, (laughs) there's one thing that I will say about toxic masculinity. And, you know, there are going to be a lot of people out there that probably hate me for, not hate me, but really hate what I'm about to say. But I firmly believe that as we, as Although the us men, we've done this to ourselves. The the rise of extreme feminism has done it to us too. You know, my fiance has no problem with me taking care of things. I do. She, you know, she she used to you know climb up on the roof and check the gutters of her of her mom and her sister's house. I don't let her do that anymore. I'm not saying that she can't, but I don't let her do And she has no problem with that because this is a form of respect that and mm-hmm. she understands that about me. You know, she has no problem with me. She will sit by, stand in the rain for 10 seconds until I can get around to the other side of the car to open the car door for her. Right. Like, you know, it, it's it, not, it's not that, it's not that we don't think you're capable, Right. It's just we we do it out of respect because we were brought up a certain way to act a certain way to be a certain way. So it's not like we don't we're not saying that you as a female are not capable of doing X, Y and Z. It's me being your husband or boyfriend or fiance giving respect to you to want to do it for you. And that's what we it know we don't have to do it for you. Yeah. And and that, but that's what I feel like has happened is the the fact that it is a form of showing my respect, showing our respect for our better halves. I mean, there is a reason that you know that old cliche is still around of my better half. Um, but some somewhere around the the respect that it had shown that it that it shows to my better half has gotten lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Well, no, this is you're, you're just doing this because you think I'm weak. No, you're one of the strongest people I know. That's why I, I respect you enough to do it for you. Right. I mean, I, all I have to say is women can give birth. Okay. I have, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> right. Exactly. And look, <laughs> you know, my wife, my wife could go out there and deadlift that couch. Right. With no problem. Like she's, she's wild strong. Like she completed in uh, like the, the fire, what was like the fire Olympic games or some shit like that. Like she's got a a monstrous lower half. Right. Um, But I'm not going to let her go out there and fucking deadlift a couch and throw her back out. I'll just go do it for you. Like I can help you. Like it's not, it's like, you're not broken. You're, it's just, we we sometimes we need to do these things as men because one it makes us feel good 
that we can do these things for you and that you can rely on us to do certain things. And that's the key right there, I feel, is we know when we do these things for you, yes, it does, you know, it strokes our ego a little bit. I mean, we're men. I mean, we love shit. But also, we are showing you, you can rely on us. Mm -hmm. Whether it be physical, emotional, mental, we do these things to, to show you, you know what? You can lean on me. I got broad shoulder. I, and I've said this, I've said this to my fiance numerous times because you know, she goes through, she goes through shit just like anybody else. You know, just because she's a stay-at-home mom doesn't mean she's got she has less problems. You know what I'm saying? But I've told her numerous times, I got broad shoulders, baby. Let me let me handle some of the weight with you. Mm-hmm. And it's you. Were, I was just thinking about something when you were talking about that because you're talking about the broad and like broad shoulders, you know, carrying the weight. I when I when I was growing up, um, my when I was growing up, my dad was a very toxic person, and he's the he was the kind of guy that would be like, oh, just man up, pussy, just do it, you know, like that. That was him, you know. I'd give you something to hurt, you know, to cry over, or oh, you think your your arms hurting you? I'll give you, you know, I'll hurt your arm. I'll show you what pains really, you know, like that whole kind of shit thing, right? Yeah. But see, I never, I never really absorbed the same knowledge that he had. And as I got older, it may I realized that he acted like that because his father was that way. So he grew up seeing that. And then as he gets older, you know, that's how it, you, you that that kind of happens. You, you transitioned into this person sometimes. Right. So I didn't it took me a long time to realize that, like, you know, you're not really that person. That's just you were surviving because you grew up in that environment. Like so. And then and then like so I didn't really get to, to that knowledge. Right. And it was hard for them to realize or like hard for my father to realize I'm not the same person you are, but my older brother was kind of this, you know, he, he got it too. Like we both got it, but he absorbed a lot of that knowledge that, you know, he learned from my dad. Right. But I told you before, like my brother is the kind of guy where if you didn't know how to change your oil, he would show you. If you didn't know how to change a tire, he would show you. If you wanted to start working out, he would help you. He would put you on a on a you know regiment. If you want to learn how to do a proper bench press, he'll go out there and do it with you. If you want to learn how to hit a baseball, he'll go out there and do it for you. And I think that's that is the de- the difference. Like my, I would say that my, I would say my brother was the probably the definition of like the everyman. You know, like the man, like the everyman type guy. But. The, I think the difference between being toxic and being respectable, which a lot of people would find that toxic because of maybe the way that he comes off as like personality wise. But the difference, the line in that is it's not toxic if they're willing to take time out of their day to show you how to do something. True. Like that, that's just being a decent human being. Yeah, you're not. And I, and I agree. And, and to compound a little bit on that, it's, you know, it's not the fact that, you know, he had this knowledge and he was willing to share it. There are some people out there that have the knowledge that just want to ridicule you for not having the knowledge. And that's toxic. That's the toxic that, shit. That is the yeah. type of people that right there, that is the type of shit that you will see day in and day out on Facebook. And there was a thing going around with Aaron Rodgers talking about his mental health and 
this these guy these people were just just ragging on him about all kinds of fucking shit about how do you have these problems? You're a millionaire and and we we can, we'll talk about that another day. But that that is toxic as shit. And I found out that or not, I found out I realized that you know a lot of times like the loudest guy in the room is usually the weakest, oh, and I'm- the silent one is the one that usually has the most confidence. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and that was, you know, it's funny because that was, I feel like that was my stepdad. My stepdad Mm -hmm. was the quiet one. I mean, he, he would talk, he could talk your ear off. Don't get me wrong. But when it came down to it, like he, it's those people that they measure a situation. They measure, I mean, I've had people, you, you know, size me up. I mean, I'm a, I'm a large man. And they they automatically feel threatened by me, but I'm I generally try to be the quiet one because I'm not. I realize this podcast kind of speaks the opposite of that because I talk a lot. But <laughs> but those people are trying to those people are trying to one up. Yes, that's what it is. You're trying to one up, and one up is the toxic thing. So like, if you go to the gym and somebody's th- on the going on the bench and they're throwing up like three fifteen multiple times and they're quiet. They don't say anything. That's the kind of guy that you want to learn from. That's also not the kind of guy who's going to come over and critique you if you're if you're curling five pound dumbbells. That's the kind of guy that's going to be like, "Hey, do you want some help?" So like, don't get mad at somebody else because they're you know they've exceeded your you they've they've gotten to their goals and to your expectations before you've hit them. That that's not fair for you because you know what you're doing. You're fucking being toxic. Don't and be that, that guy. And that speaks to our topic is, you know, the mm-hmm. unrealistic expectations, you know, honestly, the only expectations really in my, in my very ever so humble opinion would be the, the expectations placed upon you by other people. Yes. Honestly. I mean, when other people have expectations for you, that, that is a recipe for failure and all that does is destroy your psyche and destroy you, destroy you as a person is, you know, you know there's. There's a difference, but there's a difference with that though, because it's like you know I, I use this example often with getting married. When I got married, I had I had the expectations placed on me by my wife's father that I would do whatever it takes to take care of her take care take care of his daughter. Right? She was married before. That did not work out well. That is a that is a responsibility that I'm taking now on my shoulders that are his expectations. But the difference with it, it's not toxic. It should be motivation to make sure that you're better than the last person, right? But from your standpoint is people are expecting you to do a certain thing within your relationship. And sometimes that's just – it's just unfair stress, right? I mean I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I I mean, honestly, that's the whole thing. Like, yeah, I mean, that right there. Maybe I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Maybe I mean, I'm wrong. None of, us, none of us are wrong. None of us are right. We're all figuring this shit out day by day, minute right. by minute. Right. Um, but you're right. I mean, I and I can't say that about my fiance. She's never been married. She's been in long-term relationships before, but she's never been married. Uh, but I have. Mm. And it didn't work out well. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's funny I always wanted to be a father. I always did. You know, I love kids. I do. I, I think they're the they're the greatest creation on the planet. Um, no matter how crazy they drive you. Mm. Um, and you know, when my ex-wife left, 
And make no mistake, she left me. And, you, you know, and it, it was a hard pill to swallow because I wasn't the greatest husband either. I mean, don't get me wrong. For those of you out there, I wasn't abusive. I will say I was neglectful, but I wasn't abusive. Um, there was the, there was never a time where, you know, I felt like um, I, I didn't treat her well. But I had those expectations of myself going into this relationship. Um, go, well, I mean, once I realized that I wanted to marry this woman, I mean, that's a scary thing. It is. <laughs> yes, yes it mean, is. Now, now, and then on top of that, I have to say that, you know, I couldn't name any off, but I probably put some, some, some unrealistic expectations upon her mm. because of what I've experienced in the past. And that's, and that's part of the toxicity is we can perpetuate the cycle. Like you could sit here and be the toxic man that your father was. Mm hmm. With your family, with your, you know, I'm not saying that he was toxic to your mom because, you know, the, I mean, uh, none of my, not my place, but right. any, any of the toxicity that he had toward you as his child, you know, you could perpetuate that cycle. And that's got to, that's got to weigh a little bit on you, Dan. But at the same time, like my stepdad, I, I had heard horror stories of his upbringing. Um, I didn't know his family well. I really didn't. I've, I've, I've seen him like once. Um, and not, not because I dislike them, but because we, we live two very different, we live very different lives and we, we live in different, different parts of, uh, different geographical areas, but I've heard horror stories of his upbringing and he was not like that. He, he made the conscious decision to not have that kind of toxicity in his life. And let me tell you something. Now, if, if he had come into my life when I was a baby, I never would have guessed that I, that I had been his stepchild. He treated me that well. He treated me as though I was his own, his own flesh and blood. And for that, I will be forever grateful. And, and me, I'm trying, I am trying to perpetuate that cycle, I'm trying to do that with my own son. He's, you know, he's my son, period. End of discussion. But yes, when, when it comes down to technicalities, he, he's my stepson. Mm -hmm. uh, but I try to treat him just as well as my stepdad did me. Now there are also those negative aspects, just like you said with your dad, you know, he was a toxic individual when you were a kid. I, I mean, I don't know what he's like now. I've never met the man. I don't know him. All I know is what you've told me. And, and honestly, Dan, that's, that, that's gotta be a little frightening for you. I mean, a little bit, but you know, you said it yourself and, and I mean, for the record, he, he has absolutely changed. Like he, he, I think, he's always struggled with the loss of, of my brother. Like he just doesn't want to get help. He's not that kind of guy that wants to get help. He's not that kind of guy that, you know, for a long time, he didn't even like believe in mental health or depression and stuff like that. So it took us over the years to like show him like, no, this is a real thing. And I think he's understanding, right? He still, he should go talk to somebody, but he won't. But, um, and as a person, I mean, he's changed, like, absolutely. And I think it was right around, honestly, when when I met my wife, his whole attitude changed. He has become soft. And it's it's nice. Like, it's it's because we can actually have a conversation. Like, he'll call me and talk to me about, like, something going on today. I can call him and ask him for help. Like, hey, this is going on with 
Um, you know, here's an example. There's you know something going on with the lawnmower. I'm thinking it's this. What do you think? And you know we can have that conversation now, which is great. Like we're building our relationship up, which I need to have that happen because that day that we have kids, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my kids away from his grandparents. Like I need the, I need you to like be involved, right? But you know we've we've hit on family and marriage a lot, but you know that doesn't the toxic doesn't start or end with family and and marriage and 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 outside influences either. It also revolves heavily around friendships. And there are times where you go through life having certain friends and it takes a long time for you to realize that these friends are toxic as hell. And it's hard for you to cut them out of your life. And I've gone through that twice with people that I knew for over 10 years and I had to cut them out of my life because of the toxic that came out of them. And I realized that, you know, we, we, we were talking about self-care a few episodes ago and I realized that, you know, sometimes you, for you, you don't have to talk like you say what you need to say and you can cut it off. Like you don't have to have a conversation about it. You're making the decision that you're not good for me in my life. We're done. So if you want to kind of like forgive people or even forgive yourself, if you if you do it in silence and you never talk to them again, that is a form of self-care. So if you cut people out of your life because they're being toxic, you don't have to justify anything. That's a form of self-care for you mentally because you're removing the negative out of your life. That's true. That's a true statement. I mean, I had. I had a group of friends here that, and, and they were, they were good. They were good friends. They were, I mean, we, we hung out quite a bit together. We played poker together. You know, I knew the, um, the, the main person in this group was, was, uh, I guess you can call it a patriarchal group because he was definitely, he was definitely kind of the lead and mm. I'll, be the first, I'll be the first to admit, I said something cause I also used to work with him. I said something to him that I, that I shouldn't have said that I was wrong. I was. And I, and I freely admit I was wrong and I had admitted I was wrong, you know, when it happened. Um, well, shortly after it happened because I was pissed and I let my emotions get the better of me. Um, and he, he, he kind of did me a favor and kind of cut me out of this entire group. Um, I'm, I'm no longer welcome and I'm no longer, you know, a part of this, this circle of friends. And they, they did help me through, you know, my divorce and they did, did help me through some of the tougher times. But at the same time, I can look back at this group and, and, you know, there was a lot of toxicity there. There was, I mean, there was some support, but my big thing, and you, you kind of, you, you kind of hit it, hit, hit it a little bit was, is forgiveness. I mean, mm -hmm. perfect. People are going to say, uh, I mean, uh, Dan, eventually one of these days I'm going to say, I'm, I might say something fucked up to you. And you know, I Shit, hope you honestly, you may have, and I just already forgot because my memory is <laughs> awful. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the mine too, but that's because of you know all the things that I used to do. But, mm. um, but no, a big thing with me is forgiveness. You know, I none of us are none of us are perfect, mm -mm. people are gonna make mistakes, people are gonna piss you off, and the 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 real the real friends will have no problem looking at you and saying, you know what? I was wrong. Please. Uh, I hope you forgive me or please forgive me. I'm not going to oh, say, absolutely. Here, I'm not going to sit here and get on my hands and knees and say, Oh, please, please welcome me back with open arms. It's not going to be like that, but right. I will freely admit as, as a man that yes, I was wrong. Yes. I said it. I can't take it back, but we can, we can move forward with it. The problem is, is he can't. 
this, right. the, this person cannot move forward. He cannot forgive and he will not forget. And that's fine. You know, yeah. and, um, I had a roommate not that long ago that was, you know, that was somewhat toxic in, in with, with our relationship. And, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I haven't spoken to him in, in, oh, well, couple of years i mean penny wasn't even born yet sorry <laughs> there's my other child for those of you <laughs> uh, but uh i and i honestly have no problem with it i mean and and i still have i still know people that know my old roommate and they're you know they'll even say you know i, I think so and so is doing pretty good i was like that's fine they're like well i know i know you're not you're not you know this person's biggest fan and I was like, honestly, I don't hate him. I don't. No, if they're if they're doing well in their life, good for them. But that good doesn't mean that I. It doesn't mean they. Yeah. I need to invite them back into my life. But I also. But I also. This is how I put it. I got enough going on. I don't need. Right. A, I don't need additional drama. Okay. I got a two and a half year old. I got a six year old. I got a fiance who's who is wonderful, and I live a pretty drama free life, because that's pretty much what I got. Right. And have no problem with it i really don't i used to i used to need all these friends and that's a big thing that that is a big problem out there you know i i used to have all these quote-unquote friends and you know i had i mean there were probably 30 to 50 people that i would i would try to keep in constant constant contact with um and ever since i've 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 reduced that circle i've made that circle smaller and as small as it is now and there's a handful of people now um i'm i'm happier mm -hmm. because it's not toxic there's no toxicity in my life anymore there really isn't um there's really no negativity in my life anymore there we're all very 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 supportive we're all very forgiving and understanding when somebody makes a mistake and that's what you need in your life. That honestly, and and that does. I realize we've we've gone off on so many tangents for this conversation, especially me. But that kind of ties into the whole thing. I mean, this whole toxic masculinity thing, this whole tox toxicity thing. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Is right, and and it's like you were talking about all your friends, right? And it's like, do you are they really your friends or? Do you guys just rely on each other because you have something that you they need, and do they have something that you need? And that that I think was a, was a large aspect of it, right? And you know, we we come on here and we say, don't judge people. You know, everybody's human. You know, be who you want to be. But let's be honest: at some point, you're going to judge somebody. But if you're going to judge somebody, if you're gonna if you're going to be judgmental, be judgmental about somebody's character, not about anything else. And if you are, if you have shit character, I want nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. If you are married and you have kids and you are lazy and you have shit fucking character, I want nothing, absolutely nothing to do with you in my life. I don't want you to have any relationship with my future kids when I have them none of that because I've already made that that judgment that you and I will not get along and it's not because it's not because you're a bad person it's not because you know you know you do you know x y and z it's just if you don't have good character why would I want to invite that into my life you know and there's certain things about there I think there's certain things when you become a when you're a friend or you're married or you have 
kids, I think there's certain things as a husband and a father that fall on your shoulders that you t- you have accepted the responsibility because you have become the husband, you have become the parent. And if you didn't want those responsibilities, don't have kids, don't get married. True. Um, and, and, but I, I mean, I feel like the word judgment, I, I couldn't, I can't think of a better one right now, but I feel like the word judgment in that, in that scenario is, is a little heavy. Yeah. Um, like when you're, when you're sitting here and you, and you know, somebody comes into your life through a friend or, or, you know, through work or whatever, and you make that decision that, you know, I don't want you in my life. You know, I have people that I work with that honestly, I have no desire to hang out with outside of work because they're just not my kind of people. Right. I don't feel like that's judgment as much as that is, uh, you know, self-preservation. Okay. Um, how about this? How about this? Not judgment, judgment, character value. If your character right. value is low, I don't need you in my life. Yes. There's a, let me, we'll go with that character value. I like that because I mean, and everybody has a different, has a, a different level of character value that that they can accept that they like that they, I mm-hmm. mean, that are, that is, that does coincide with the type of person they are. I mean, cause one person may be great for another and shit for me. Oh, absolutely. And here, here's, I, I need to, I need to, I need to just pop off about something because it's been irritating the shit out of me. Okay. And I really don't have any, I, I don't really give a fuck if this bothers people. I don't care if it pisses people off. I don't even care if whoever listens and they hear it, if it bothers them, if you are physically capable and you have the knowledge and you choose to sit at home on the couch, not because you can't get a job, but you actually literally choose to stay at home and not provide, not contribute to your family, and your wife is out working, and you have kids, and you would rather pay somebody else to do shit for you than get up off your ass and do it yourself, we got problems. And that bothers me. And there's things, you know, when you hear stuff about like situations like that, because that's just just fucking being lazy. You know, like there's a difference between having the conversation of you being a stay at home dad and being fucking lazy because you don't want to go out and get a job. There's a difference between spending money that you don't have to let somebody else cut your fucking lawn when you won't get up off your ass and hop on a fucking riding mower and cut your, you know, 0.2 acres of land that you have. Just fucking cut the grass. Like, don't be lazy. Like you are setting the example for your kid. You're also setting the example for other people. And there's other people that see you and, and see that. And when they judge when the character value, when they re, when they assess your character value, it's not coming up very high. And I can't, I can't, I can't stand when people do that shit. Because there are people out there who will bust their ass, who will work from home, who go to work and do 60, 50 hours a week, come home and work four more hours while they're home like you do. There's people who will literally do absolutely anything to make sure that their that their wives or kids or themselves are taken care of. But then they're the ones who get shafted in the end. Well, you know what? I I'll play devil's advocate for you. Okay. So you're talking what you just said runs almost contradictory to what, what we've talked about earlier. In this, earlier and in that this was episode. toxic as shit, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. Now, now, was it toxic or was it just, I mean, was it just reality? I mean, cause I personally, I, I can think of one person. He's not a friend of mine. Um, he, he, I've known him for a long time. I haven't talked to him in years, but I knew him uh, a while back. 
And he has a, and, and there's a reason that I, that I put in air quotes around this, but he has a quote unquote back injury. Mm. Gets money from the state. His rent is paid for by the state. He, he quote unquote can't work. I know damn well he's fine. Mm. I've seen it. Um, now, there are people out there that they can't, that can't work. Right. There, are out, there are people out there that, um, that it's not a choice. Now, what you just said can be, can, can be considered, you know, toxic. Mm-hmm. You know, so where's uh, the question I have is where do you draw the line? But see, and I, okay. Okay. So wh- I guess I'm getting there. Well, I think, okay, here it is. Ask this is, I mean, obviously I know the situation that, that has brought this up. Right. Um, now me knowing the situation, I can be a little bit of the devil's advocate because you know, yeah, like you said, that's you're judging this person by by what they're not doing. You're you are you're you you are um, determining their character value. Mm-hmm. Now, do, does the the does his character value is is that because his character value in general sucks, or just in your opinion? Oh no, general. And it's and it's not just me. It is a group of people who have the exact same thought process as I do. And it's not that it's not that they're not capable. It's just they choose not to. And I think that's that's the difference. It's if you are capable, but you choose not to. And obviously, it doesn't fall along everything. But if you are capable of doing something and you choose not to do it because you're being lazy, I think. If you get flack for that, I think that kind of falls back on you. I don't really think that falls on anybody else, but I could be wrong. If I, okay, here we go. Like if I, if I choose to let dishes stack into the sink and not wash them and then complain about the dishes being dirty, that is not anybody else's fault but mine because I could have taken my ass up and picked those dishes in the wa- in the dishwasher or scrub them myself to get clean dishes. True. Right? So it's for you it's capability. Yes, for it's you, a ca- it's capability. It's capability and laziness, really right. for, for you. Uh, and and I think and I say devil's advocate uh, for the record, I agree. I completely agree. There are a lot of people out there and we we said this earlier in this episode that you know they expect this much money because they're, you know, this, that, and the other, there's plenty of jobs out there and there are plenty of jobs out there, but at some point, and I will, and this will be, you know, kind of an add on to what we said earlier at some point, um, what I was taught growing up and I've taken this all the way through adulthood. It is always easier to find a better job when you have a job. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about easier when it comes to the time, you know, yeah, you have to work around your schedule. You don't, I'm not talking about the trivial shit. I'm talking about job, people that do the hiring, look at people with jobs as, okay, well, I mean, they're trying to A, better themselves and B, you know, they're doing what they have to do to make, to make it work until they can find something, find something better. And I say that from a, from a position that I have done interviews and I have hired people um now i completely agree with what you're saying as far as you know laziness and 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 your cap your capabilities and stuff like that um the question is is 
I mean, how do you, I mean, do you, do, what would you do? Would you call him out? Um, I mean, there's really, yeah. There's really not, yeah, but really, would you really? Because there's really not much you can do if there's, I mean, I, honestly, situation. right. Honestly, probably not because it's just not worth the time. Like it's not worth the time, not worth the energy. But I think there come situations where, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that falls into that line because I'm sure everybody has been in those situations where it's just not worth, you know, telling somebody off. It's just not worth the time because it doesn't hold any value in your life whatsoever, right? But I think there there does come a time sometimes where those people will say something or will act a certain way that suddenly causes you to basically, you know what, that's it. Like I got, I need to say something because this can't like, that's not, it's like a respect thing. You feel like that that person is dis- is being disrespectful in a certain way. And maybe it's not, but it's just the way that I look at it. No. And that's, you know, they're, especially when you bide your time, I feel like I, I firmly feel like I feel this way when you bide your time, when you don't, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't confront somebody when you know it's hearsay. You know, it's you're getting it from a third party or say, or you know, you're getting it third hand, second hand, from from other people. You know, this is going on, that's going on. But when you when you actually see yourself, because there is always these people always give you an opportunity at some point in time to have a firm conversation about your beliefs on the topic, right? I do believe that, you know, now the question I have is, do you, do you feel like, do you feel like you have the right at that point to say anything? The right when, when they become disrespectful? They give you the opportunity in front of you. When you, when you, when they, when they're, you know, say you had these people over for a weekend and you were like, Hey, I, I, you, you want to give me a hand, you know, doing something. I mean, if they're that kind of people or whatever, or, you know, you go over there for a weekend and you see them not, not, not lift a finger to do anything around the house and stuff like that. And then, and you hear them complain and you hear them and you see them and you, you see the situation firsthand. Do you feel like it, it's your place to say anything? Yes. And no, um, no, I'm going uh, yes, because you know, if you know that person, you know, that situation, uh, it, it, man, it's it's fifty fifty because sometimes you really don't have the right to step into somebody else's life and tell them how they need to do stuff, right? But then there's also certain situations where if somebody is blatantly being rude and disrespectful, you have the right to stand up for that person and tell them that they're wrong in doing that. Like you're wrong for saying what you said. You're wrong for assuming that somebody else will take care of it for you because you are being lazy and you won't take care of it yourself. It's nobody that's nobody else's fault. That's your fault. But I say yes and no because not every situation is the same. So like if you just meet somebody and you go over to their house and they're being, you know, a certain way about something, you don't know what's going on with that with that person. You don't know what's going on in that dynamic in that relationship. But I feel like if you actually know the person. If you like you and I, for existence, if you were, I don't know, like if, if you popped off and said something to your wife that was just completely just out of left field, I'd probably say something to you and it probably would not go well for either one of us. Friday, if I were to say something that was that was messed up to my fiance, you think you'd say something? 
Probably, but it would be it would have to be something. But it would have to be something uh, like I'm like bad. You know what I mean? Like if you if you you know what I mean? Like does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Right. But I know you. But I know you. So I know if you if you pop off and say something to your wife, it's not like a like you're not doing it. You're not doing it because you're an asshole. You're doing it because maybe something happened that day. And I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what the hell is going on, dude? Like, why did you like, why did you just say that? Like, what's the situation with with you? But like, I know you. Right. And I know your character. It was make sure I was still conscious. <laughs> yeah, because you might have got hit by a pan or something. <laughs> but I would expect you to do the same thing. And I don't I don't know if that's being toxic. I think that's just I think that's man to man conversation. And I think it's just realism. I think, and I think there's a difference between being toxic and being realistic. I think there are times with, I think there's times that w- you need to have that conversation with, you know, with your, with your brothers and your friends and stuff like that. I think you need to have that conversation sometimes to not necessarily correct, but maybe realigned the way that they're thinking. You know, if, if I, here's, here's an example. If say, um, we're mutual friends with friend a okay and that friend is going out and sleeping with other women while he's married i'm going to confront him about it you may too you may not right but especially if we all know each other because like that's not right like you can't you shouldn't be doing that but if i didn't know you and i heard through a third party that you're doing stuff like that all right man you're a fucking asshole but i don't care like i'm not going to say anything but you are involved in my life. That's a different story. And there are, and, and that's kind of what I was getting at is there are certain levels. There are levels that people are, are, you know, in your life that, that, you know, give, and, and honestly, that's, that's like a level that I give you, you know, right. you are that important to me in my life that you have that right. You have the right to be like, Hey mother, you need to come. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Now, we have, you know, just like we'll take Friday night, you know, our gaming sessions uh, under uh, as an example again. You know, if, if a buddy of one of our friends, you know, a buddy of a buddy came on and started talking, talking all that shit and um, we don't know him. I'm going to say something. I'm, I'm still going to say something. And honestly, it won't have that that. Res- color of respect on nope. on my tone of voice because he hasn't earned it right right and um, i think that's the big thing is you got to earn that respect but there's again that's not being toxic that's just being realistic that's also just standing up for people that you care about if you if i say something to your about your wife and you hear me and it's not in a respectable manner whatsoever i fully expect you to try to come beat my ass about it i'd fly over yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that and I think that's kind of more so what I was getting at, because I, I did get a little heated and I was really geared up to ta- kind of like talk about that. But I, you know, this whole podcast, we've kind of settled it down. Like, I'm sure there was a lot of emotions flowing with this whole thing, but we've kind of like we've kind of wrangled it in a little bit. So it was easier to or it was it was easier for me to talk about in a less than uh you know, not being so upset, not being so pissed and venting about it. But that, that's a thing. And I wanted to get that across because you may know somebody who's like that. That doesn't mean you're being toxic if you're standing up for somebody. It's just no. you're being respectable. You're being a realist. 
And and I think that's that's a great place to to kind of wind down this podcast is now when we talk about toxicity and toxic masculinity and we talk about you know there are certain levels and and stuff like that these are all subjective they really mm-hmm. are. exactly um, these are all just to- our opinions or our experiences it's not you in general exactly and and when it so when it comes down to it the only person that can actually make these decisions and that that can actually you know put these into perspective and, and kind of set those limitations is you is mm. that if you as an individual, I mean, there are certain, there are certain people that can pretty much say anything to me that they want because they have that right. They have earned that ability through me because a, I know they're not serious. They've, right. they've, proved, they've proven to me that they they'll say something to me just to get a, a little bit of a rise out of me to, to just to get a laugh. Um, or the but, flip side, they're saying it because it needs to be said and it's something that you need yeah. to hear. And if it's something serious, yeah, it's generally something that needs to be said. Um, but that's me. I mean, there are the, the, the same person can't say the same thing to somebody else that they haven't right. known for 20 some odd years right. that hasn't earned that right. So when we, so please understand those of you that are out there, you know, when we talk about toxicity and we talk about cutting it out of your life and stuff like that, the only person that could make that decision is you. The only mm. person that can make the decision that somebody is toxic is you. And you don't. And Dan is right when he says you do not have to justify it. You can look at somebody. I mean, one of your third party friends could look at you and say, why'd you cut so-and-so out of your life? And you say, because they're toxic for me. It, it, it doesn't matter if your friend is like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. They're not toxic. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter to them. It matters to you. Yeah, exactly. What matters is your mental health. What matters is your joy. As as you know, as Dan has put it, find your joy. If if part of your joy and part of you know, it's uh, you you know, it's okay to not be okay. Well, if part mm-hmm. of you getting to be okay is cutting somebody out of your life, that's fine. Yeah. There's or no- if if part of you to be to to or a part of you reaching the okay part is battling and pushing through not being okay. That's okay. Like, yeah. and I want to, I want to take the last couple of minutes before we wrap this up is cause we touched on it slightly and we probably should have talked about it more. Maybe we can next week um, right. is the, the aspect of the stigma of asking for help. And I said earlier that, you know, sometimes you should, reach out to your friends and say, Hey, are you emotionally available for me to unload on something? I know that sounds weak and I know that sounds really dumb, but if you look at it in a mental health concept, somebody might be going through something and they can't, they can't mentally handle that right now. And I'm not saying they're pushing you off. There's just, they need to deal with something first so they can become available to help you out. But that's not saying that you shouldn't still ask for help. You can still ask for help. They can be like, Hey, yeah, like, give me, give me some time and we'll talk. Like, give me a couple minutes, give me an hour and I'll come back to you and talk. But mm-hmm. the other flip side of that too is it, it's look, you're not a coward for asking for help. All right. You're not or seeking help or just venting. Like nobody, if you want to vent you know, people vent on social media all the time. Ignore the people who come on and speak negative and call you, you know, a wuss or, you know, X, Y, and Z. Ignore those people. All right. Don't don't bother with those people because those people are also dealing with something. And it's them lashing out because they don't have any way to deal with whatever it is they're dealing with. They don't know how to ask for help. You are being the bigger person because you're asking for help. 
So ignore all these people. The other part of that too is when you want to go do something or you're striving to do something in your life and somebody tells you no or somebody tells you you're dumb or someone tells you that that's not going to work. Listen, if you're afraid to make waves in life, then be prepared to live a real mediocre life. If you are if you're okay with that, then have fun falling in line, doing everything everybody else tells you to do, wearing the shirt, suit and tie, blah blah blah, all that bullshit. If you want to if you want to advance, if you want to reach for your goals and you want to get to where you want to be, get used to making some waves and pissing some people off. And those people that you piss off, those are the toxic motherfuckers that you don't need in your life. Yeah, kick rocks. Yeah, kick rock. Go fuck cactus. <laughs> You know what? That that's. I, I would like to say uh, one thing, um, Dan. I know you're uh, you're taking a vacation here shortly. Yeah. So yeah, we're uh, we're finally finally taking a vacation. We haven't really taken a real vacation since our honeymoon, which was shortly. It was a few months after we got married. Actually, we we, we waited on that. So we're going to Orlando. Um, we are going with fa- with her side of the family. So I will not be here next week, but you, sir, will be in perfect hands because we have an old friend joining us, which is Chris Jett. You and Chris are going yeah. to uh, tag team this thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we're going to have a guest guest host on next week. He's going to take Dan's place. Perhaps. Special referee. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to take Dan's place for, for the week. Um, and and I, I, think, uh, I think we had, a, we had a, some pretty, pretty great feedback when he came on. And oh, yeah. I think we had, a, uh, we had a pretty good rapport, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, uh, we'll probably just sit here for an hour and a half and talk shit about Dan. But, you know, that's that that's you know, that is what it is. Well, we'll just we'll, we'll fill the time somehow. But um, for those of you that follow around, we you know, we thought about taking a week off, but we just we really don't want to do that very often. Um, we we're only going to do it when we need to. And um, and, and we really want to keep you guys keep you guys going, keep you guys sane and maybe drive you a little bit more insane, you know, whatever, whichever direction it goes, but I'm yeah, really whatever. to, uh, to, to having Chris on again next week. And Dan, I hope you have a great time. Um, I appreciate I'm, that. I'm going to talk to you before you leave anyway. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not leaving until Friday. So yeah. Like we've yeah. discussed on this podcast, it's not like you and I don't talk. Um, you know, speaking of the podcast, we love it when people send us suggestions. Yes, because this is sometimes difficult to come up with these with these topics. Um, sometimes we come up with these topics and then we somehow get into a conversation and talk about something that has nothing to do with the topic, which does happen. But we try to circle it back. Go circle back. We'll circle back to that. Um, we we love suggestions. Um, we love when people reach out to us, we have, we have gotten more, like, I think every week we get one or two people reaching out to us, letting us know, you know, we're doing a great job and that makes us feel great. You know, just looking at analytics and I tell you almost like every day, like, dude, like check out these numbers. I, you probably don't care, but I get excited. I mean, so no, actually, I, I get excited when you, when you do yeah. that. Um, and it, it makes us feel great. Honestly, like we, this is what kind of pushes yeah, us to keep going because yeah, I mean, yeah, stroke it, stroke it more. But if you, I'll be honest though, if if people weren't paying attention or weren't listening or weren't giving us feedback, this would be hard for us to continue doing because you don't have that. I think you you still have that same drive because it's a topic that we're both passionate about and we want to talk about. 
but it makes it so much more exciting when you know that there's people out there that are listening to two dumb idiots talk about stuff that we probably have no business talking about. Yep, but we're still going to talk anyway, and you Duh. guys choose to listen. So, uh, that being said, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. I hope, uh, Dan, you you uh, you have a great vacation. I'm, I'll talk to you throughout the week and maybe bounce some ideas on off of you. Um, give my best to your better half. And you do the same, sir. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk after this, too. But uh, thank you to everybody who listens. And again, thank you. Shout out to uh, Chris Jett for last week. Um, that was awesome. That was, I think, our second highest um, episode yet. Uh, so appreciate that. Appreciate everybody listening. Again, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Um, there's more, I should probably write them down and, and bring that next time. Uh, fun. We will be starting up an Instagram account soon, which we'll just, you know, we're just another, another form of trying to reach out to people. That's all it really is. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at men in your life. What's that? Maybe the tweeter. Yo, maybe the tweet, a little Twitter, a little twiddle, twiddle and twackle. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human. Same title for all of your podcast needs. Uh, I am Dan. I'm ready. And remember, it is okay to not be okay. But also one more thing. If you do need help, please, by all means, do not hesitate to reach out and ask anybody. Okay, you can ask us. You can reach out to us. We are there for you. We will always be there for anybody that needs help because we know that it's not okay or we know that it's hard to not be okay. We know that it's difficult. We know that it's hard to ask for help because we have both been there. I am 32. I've probably asked for help with mental health once. It is not easy. We are there for you if you need us. Always. always. And again, and again, it is okay to not be okay.